want to, I want to share with you that we'll be in Genesis chapter 3. We'll be in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, that's at the beginning of your Bibles. Uh, just in case you're looking for it. Um, but I, I want to share with you um, that, that God, God has really impressed upon my heart that he wants us to know more of him. Not, not what culture tries to paint him as. Not what um, people, the little quick, quick quotes they say about God. But what the word of God says about God. It's what he wants um, for us to, to realize. So, Father, as we turn our attention to you, to you, we've celebrated you in song and we celebrated the life changes that you brought about. And now, Father, we ask that you would continue to transform our lives, that you allow us to go deeper and deeper in your word to know more of you. So please, Holy Spirit, make us all receptive soil for the seed of your word, that we might produce fruit for your glory. So, Father, please speak to us. Clearly that each person in this place might truly see you and be willing to follow you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It was around um, 1687 when Isaac Newton, uh, any of you heard of Isaac Newton? Do they still teach that in history? Okay, I got a few people here. Isaac Newton, that famed mathematician, that, that physicist, um, in his work, Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy, he offered these, these laws, Kimberly, that uh, many of us know of. I mean, you, you, you may have not known it came from Isaac Newton, but you heard of these laws before, uh, particularly his third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, uh, in other words, let me put it this way. For every choice, there's a consequence. If it's a positive choice, then you'll get positive consequences. If it's a negative choice, then you'll get, in return, negative consequences. Okay, you, you, you hadn't heard this way. Well, it depends on the generation you come from. Let me see if I can, I can paint it this way. Um, what goes around, you with me now, comes around. It comes back around. The Bible teaches you reap what you sow. So choices have consequences. And as a result of choices that were made in the beginning, we are still experiencing the consequences today. For God made a choice to create in Genesis chapter 1, where God created the heavens and the earth, and he created all there is to survey. In chapter 2, he goes into detail of how he created humanity. He created man and woman in his image. He created them. Their names were Adam and Eve. And he placed Adam and Eve in, in paradise. I mean, truly, everything that they had need of was supplied to them for. They had every tree that they could eat from with the exception of one. God had given Adam an assignment to make a choice to name all of the creatures that God had created, and he made those choices. 
But then e evil began to be entertained as uh, evil personified as a serpent. The, the devil came and began to dialogue with them. And after that dialogue, they made a choice. They made a choice to be their own gods. They made a choice to choose what was pleasing in their eyes. For the serpent said to them that their eyes would be made open and they would be like God. And when they made a choice, that choice came with significant consequences. For in that moment, when Adam and Eve sinned before God, it ushered in to creation pain and suffering. It's right there, right there in, in your Bibles. If you look with me in that third chapter, if you look closely, um, we'll look at the 15th verse. Immediately, we're going to begin at the 15th verse where God is speaking. He's speaking to Eve first and look at the word of God for he says, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will bruise your head. He's, I'm sorry, he's speaking to the serpent. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Verse 16, to the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, God says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat Cursed is the ground because of you, because of you. In pain you shall eat it of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of which you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the first mention of pain being ushered in to creation. And it was a result of a choice. I know there are many times when we question why is this permitted? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much suffering? Understand that our suffering, our pain, is linked to a consequence. Evil Evil uh, is the absence of good. So just like darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of good. And when evil is in the heart of man, it creates and causes suffering. So the first lesson we want to, to understand is that suffering is a result of sin. Suffering is a result of a choice that had been made. And anytime you find yourself there, it's important that you, you seek God. Anytime you find yourself experiencing suffering, seek God because God is the only one who could do something about what you're going through. 
Wait, let me check. Has anyone ever suffered before? Has anyone ever experienced a painful experience? A personal loss? Uh, grief that comes upon you unexpectedly, uh, sickness and disease. Have, have you experienced it? All of us have, because secondly, suffering is universal. It, it doesn't matter your age or your stage in life. If you live long enough, you will experience some form, some type of suffering. And you'll be challenged by the suffering that you go through. Because suffering is experienced by, by everyone. Job, in his 14th chapter, he said, man who is born of a woman is a few days and then full of trouble. Suffering does not discriminate. And we all experience it. But what do we do when we experience it? We have to learn how to seek God in the midst of of our suffering, through the tears that you, you look through, that you, you seek God. And one of the ways we seek God is through our worship, through our praise, through prayer continually in the midst of your struggles and seasons of suffering. Look for God because essentially God is the only one who can carry you through your time of suffering. I believe there's some people who know something about that. Job knew something about it because when you read his testimony, you read how he's experienced a difficult time of suffering. So it's important that you seek God. But secondly, it's important that in suffering, we see that it's universal, so it's a shared experience, that when you, when you experience suffering, that you don't experience it by yourself. See, all of us have experience in suffering, and when you find yourself there, and some of you, you may already be there or just coming out of that season, it's important that when you find yourself there, that you surround yourself, you, you seek out godly support. You, you, you seek out godly friends. We're able to come alongside and uphold you. Job had friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar when he was going through his trial and his suffering. And from Job to Jesus, our Savior, even Jesus Christ had friends around him, Peter, James, and John, when he was in his most uh, agonizing point in the Garden of Gethsemane. So when you're going through, don't go through by yourself. Satan wants to isolate you. Satan wants to, to, to keep you away from godly support. But it's important that you seek God. Because God is sovereign. God is in control of everything. And, and here's where it gets a little tough. Because God allows all suffering. God allows it. And this, admittedly, can prove, some, prove to be difficult for us. Know that, that God would be aware and that God would permit it because he's allowed us to have free will. And in that free will, we're able to make decisions. 
And those decisions have consequences that come with them, and at times that consequence is suffering. Not all suffering is related to bad consequences, but the truth of God is that God superintends it all. God is in control of it all. That's what we mean when we say that God is sovereign. God has full control. God, no one overrules God. No one can, can, can look and say to God that, that this will to happen a different way. In fact, what we should do as we seek God is take the posture of Job. Job, in that 13th chapter, the 5th verse, he said, Though he slay me, though he slay me, Yet, King James says, will I, will I trust him? Amen. Evil exists in the earth. Evil wasn't created by God. But with evil comes suffering. And God allows suffering and pain. And oftentimes it's caused by sinfulness. It's hard to understand that God would allow it. Hard to comprehend that. But the Bible teaches us that his thoughts are not our thoughts. That's Isaiah 55 and 8. His ways are not our ways. He says, For as far as the heaven is from the earth, so are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. Listen, brothers and sisters, God is sovereign, and you can trust him. You can trust him. No matter what you're going through, Cam, it's good to see you, man. No matter what you're experiencing, you can trust the sovereignty of God. The Bible also tells us in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the secret things, even though we don't understand it all, the secret things belong to the Lord. Didn't I tell you that God was sovereign? So in his sovereignty, knowing that he's sovereign and that he allows all suffering, it's important for us to learn to surrender to God's will, trusting that God knows what's best. Okay, some of you are still having difficulty. Let's talk Bible for a moment, um, because I told you God is sovereign. He told Moses in Exodus 4 and 11, then God said to him, who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute? Are deaf, are seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God is always in control. Job, it was revealed to Job in Job 23, but he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. What God desires is what he does. The psalmist said it this way about God in Psalm 103 and 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 115 and 3. Our God is in heaven and he does all that he pleases. Isaiah, for, I'm not talking about the God that other people try to picture out. I'm talking about the true and the living God. Isaiah, he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Beside me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. The people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. 
Lamentations, I'll end there, third chapter, 37 verse. Who has spoken? And it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it. Is it not from his mouth that the most high, that good and bad comes? <laughs> Evil doesn't control God. God controls even the devil, because the devil himself is a pawn in the master's hands. I have some chess players in there. I'm just trying to let you know that, that God knows what he's doing. Would you just go and encourage somebody and just tell them God knows what he's doing? That's even if we don't know what God is doing, which oftentimes, Jim, we don't know what God is doing, but that doesn't mean God doesn't know what he is doing. He is sovereign, and in the moments of our suffering and pain, he is asking the question, will you trust me? When things don't go as planned, will you trust me? When you are faced with unsurmountable odds that are greater than you, will you trust me? We often ask why. Why me? Why am I going through this? And that's a human response. You're not the only one who asks why. Jeremiah asks why. Job asks why. Even Jesus, our Savior, declared from the cross, why have you forsaken me? It's a it's a natural response. But I wonder oftentimes that if God fully revealed what uh, he was doing or why he was doing it, I, I'm not sure it would make much difference in our, thought, in our thinking because you'll still go through what he deems for you to go through. But it's important that you trust him. And as you're going through, that you surrender to his will that you fully give yourself, like, like Paul did in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, where he says, so to keep from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me. It's in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. He says three times, don't miss this, this is the apostle Paul. This is Paul who has written most of the epistles in the New Testament. He says three times I've prayed to him. This is Paul who prayed for people when they were dead and they were resurrected. This is Paul who prayed and people were healed, but he prays to God three times and he says, Three times I prayed that he would remove this from me, but God replied, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And sometimes God will allow us to suffer and to go through so that his power might be shown through what you're going through. Oh, I'm, I'm talking real because this is the Bible. I'll give you another one. While, while, while Jesus was ministering, uh, along with his disciples in, in Galilee, on that Galilean side, there was, there was a man. There was a man there who, who had uh, acute hearing where he could hear very well. His, his sense of smell was very good. He was able to, to listen intently, but he was never able to see. In fact, John records that he was born that way. He was born blind. And when the disciples saw him, they, they said uh, to Christ, Muhammad, they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's, that's John 9, 1 through 7. 
And Jesus replied, no one. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God uses all suffering. And I'm going to talk real to you because, because, like I said, some of you may be suffering now. Those listening at home, you may be going through a season of suffering. Or you may be trying to understand why you had to go through a season of pain and suffering. It could be that God wants to use what you go through. So the man, Jesus, made a medicinal um, element with spit on the ground, anoints the man's eyes. He goes to the pool, he washes, and he comes back seeing. But when the question was asked, why was he born blind? One translation says he was born this way so that God would be glorified. I'm just trying to tell you. So why? There are times God is allowing you to go through to equip you to help others while they go through. That's really in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, because the word of God says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. Suffering is everywhere. Pain is all around us. But, but, but I wonder. In fact, listen, I, um, anybody ever read the newspaper? Do people still do that? Okay, when, when, I was, when I was younger, when I was younger, there was one section of the newspaper I'd always go to. I'd pass the front page, I'd go uh, past the chronicles, past all the obituary section. I, I'd pass all that up. And I'd rush to the back of the newspaper, particularly on Sunday, because back there were the, the comics. I, I love comics. You can find so much truth in, in comics. Um, in fact, there is one that I want to show you. I want you to see it. Here's a comic here. Um, two, uh, two, two, like, bird-like turtles um, are, are, are sitting under a tree, but they're having a conversation. And one says, sometimes I'd like to ask God why he allows poverty, famine, and injustice when he could do something about it. His friend asks, says, well, what's, what's stopping you? Look at his response. I'm afraid God might ask me the same question. Because... God has responded to pain and suffering and evil in the world. He has responded because he calls his church to stand as his body and do something about it. So when we go on mission trips to, to Columbia, we're doing something about it. When we are dressing, our, our, our ladies on mission are, are dressing little girls who without it wouldn't have any clothing, we're doing something about it. When we're feeding the community through our food distribution that takes place every week since the beginning of COVID, we're doing something about it. But that's us collectively. You see, God 
also holds us individually responsible to do something about it. Let me, let me read to you what he said in Matthew 25, verse 34 through 45. He's speaking about that day of judgment. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was, Jesus says, I was naked and you clothed me. And I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and welcomed you in? Or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, you've done to me. Amen. We are called to make a difference. We are, we are commissioned by God, empowered by God, that even while you are experiencing suffering, that you still serve God. Because get this, sometime God will allow you to suffer, to be in places where other people are suffering so that they can see how God can empower you during a season of suffering that you could turn around and empower them. Amen. I hope you get this. Because there's another side of what he said. Christ said... But then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and when did we see you thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or in prison, or, and did not minister you? He says unto them, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. See, God uses all suffering. We may not see it, but we can trust him. And so even in your suffering, Learn to serve with joy. James 1 says, count it all joy. All joy? Yeah, when you're going through suffering. May your suffering remind you of the suffering of Christ. Because no suffering we endure will ever surpass the suffering Christ endured for our sakes. As you are going through, we often contemplate on those things we do not know. I want to encourage you to concentrate on what you do know about God, that God will help you in your time of need, that God will love you unconditionally, that God will never depart from you, for Christ said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Focus on what you do know, that God has been faithful, that he demonstrated his love toward us, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ. Christ died for us. He suffered and he, he bled for us. 
So I want you to remember as you're going through to trust God. Like Romans 8, 28, and we know, we know that those who love God, all things work together for the good. That you, you trust God. To know that there's nothing that shall separate you from the love of God. And as you suffer and you seek God, or help others seek God as they are suffering, as you understand suffering is universal and God allows all suffering, surrender to God's will. And trust God to use even your seasons of suffering that you might be able to serve with joy because we have a Savior who understands. Two last passages I want to bring to your attention. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Here it is. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was, was tempted. But in his temptation, he was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our times of need. Later on, the author says in that 12th chapter, looking to Jesus. I like King James, the author and the finisher. ESV says, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And before he left to go to heaven, he told those disciples and all the believers who were around the table and forevermore. He said, remember me. Remember, even as you're going through, remember God's love for you. That God himself would clothe himself in human flesh. That God himself would pay the penalty for our wrongdoings, our sin, because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The, the consequence of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And when you come to God believing Christ Jesus, you too will have eternal life because our Savior gave his life for us. Oh, but he didn't stay dead because on that third day he he got up. He resurrected. So we don't serve a dead God. We serve the living God. Amen. And as our deacons come to prepare, we're going to celebrate through Lord's Supper what our Savior has done for us. Because during that time, he had us on his mind. I invite you to bow your heads all over the building. The Bible tells us that we should examine ourselves, that we should confess our sins. So in this moment, would you create some sacred space where you are and speak to God? Let's confess those times when, when we didn't fully trust. Let's confess those times when we thought our ideas were better than his, 
our plans would be better than his and fully surrender and place our trust in him. Father, we are obedient to your word as your word says that we should remember. So we're coming to you asking that you do a marvelous work in our lives, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we can celebrate with clean hands and clean hearts. Forgive us from all our sins, our trespasses, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
is a personal response to that, all to him I owe. Sin had stained our souls. our sins bear judgment. But Christ in his love took that judgment for you. That if you place your faith in him, you will be saved. So we celebrate for it was on the night of the Last Supper that Jesus took bread. If you can, stand all over the building with me. He took bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which shall be broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Let us eat together. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper. Again, lifting up to heaven, asking blessings upon it. And he said, this cup represents the cup of the new covenant. My blood that shall be shed for the remission, the forgiveness of many sins. As we drink together, let us drink with grateful hearts that Jesus loved us enough to die for us. For as often as you eat of the bread and you drink of the cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes. And here's the good news. He is coming again. And he's coming for his church. And if you desire to be a part of his church, he's coming for you. That you might be where he is eternally. Our deacons are standing here because they are willing to pray with you, pray for you. If you are in need of any prayer requests, we want to honor that. We invite you to come forth. We want to pray with you. We want to also celebrate if God is moving your heart to be a part of, of his church, this fellowship, we invite you to come forth. We are praying for you. We've been praying for you that you might know God in a very special way. So right now, would you, would you come in prayer? Would you come in response? Listen, you may have turned your back on the church. You may have been hurt by something that happened. But God wants you to come, to come back. So if you've turned away, know that he is welcoming you. That he is, has his arms wide open saying, come, come to me. And if you're in that season of suffering, Know that God cares for you. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So Father, we thank you so much for this blessed privilege you've given us to worship you. Thank you for being with us in every season of our lives. Thank you that we can look to you and know that you are not far as we place our trust in you. Help us that we might help others, that we might be your hands and your feet and help others as they too go through. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.